Welcome to Catch Weights UFC 261 Review Show. We're still reeling off a crazy night in front of 15,000 fans in Jacksonville. And in my opinion, it may be up there for top five UFC pay-per-views of all time. The main event, Kamal Usman puts a definitive ending to his rivalry with Jorge Masvidal with a phenomenal, debilitating, devastating right hand, knocking the BMF out cold. The co-main event, Rose Namajunas makes quick work of Zhang Weilai with a stupendous head kick. And then the other title fight on the night saw Valentina Shevchenko doing what Valentina Shevchenko does best. That is dominating an opponent, putting her wherever she wants to put her and eventually proceeding to punch away and force a referee stoppage. We're going to break it all down. It was one of the craziest nights of UFC in recent memory and we're going to go through it all here on this latest episode of Catchweight. So we'll jump right in with the early fight pass prelims and how good was it to hear that full crowd back in attendance. They were cheering right from the off when the first fight was announced, a women's strawweight fight between Ling Na and Ariane Karnalossi and both women just went at it from the start. It really was a case of the fighters rising to the occasion, using all the ad- energy, the adrenaline from the fans in attendance and just going straight after it. Some excellent fiery combinations from both great exchanges but ultimately the Chinese fighter just suffered a serious cardio dump towards the end of the first round she actually had to be carried by a cornerman at the end of the first round to the corner and in the second round it was really going to be easy pickings for Carnalossi who got her on the ground was able to land some ground and pound and the referee said that was enough and then we had another Performance Institute product from China in Aichi Leng going toe-to-toe with Jeffrey Molina. He had a great first round. He looked really solid. He was giving Molina a lot of problems, a young 23-year-old from the Dana White Contender Series. But towards the mid part of the fight, the tide just really turned. Molina was not necessarily the more powerful puncher, but he certainly made his shots count. In the second round, he dropped Aichi Leng twice. And in the third round, it was almost Max Holloway-esque, the way he was able to just slip the punches Poor on the volume and Arichi Leng was backing up. He was tired. He was blocking shots with his head, literally. And that was all she wrote. I think we may have a star born here, Jeffrey Molina, the 23-year-old flyweight. It's going to be a lot of fun seeing him go up the ranks now. Very fun style, boxing-heavy style. It really looked like the fight was going to be one where he was just overwhelmed by the more older, experienced and stronger fighter. But that wasn't the case. The countering towards the end especially, he really got into a rhythm. And there was obviously a few shaky seconds at the very end where he did get hurt by Arichi Leng, but Arichi Leng didn't have enough time or an energy to wrap that up. Then we saw the youngest fighter on the roster, Rongju, take a decision loss to Kazula Vargas. It really could have been a second round submission loss at one point. The guillotine looked very tight, but Rongju just refused to tap. And I think in that process, Vargas just wasted energy and burned out his arm. But ultimately, it wasn't enough in the third round, despite him rallying, despite him putting a lot of the pressure on Vargas, backing him up. It wasn't enough to sway the judges in his favour. But again, he'll come back. He's far from the finished product, but again, he's got time and he's got a lot of experience in the China regional scene. So expect to see big things from him in the future in the lightweight division. And finally, wrapping out the fight past prelims of the card, Dana Batgeri destroyed Kevin Natividad with a superb counter left hook as Natividad came charging in in less than a minute. The positional awareness, the preparation of Batgari was all on point. Natividad just tried to explode in and close the range and maybe catch him with a big shot, but instead he walked into a left hook, crumbled to the ground and a bit, a few more shots and that was it. Starting out the televised prelims, we'd finally get some boos from the crowd and that was because it was quite a grapple-heavy contest between Pat Sabatani and Tristan Connolly. Connolly, the Canadian who got that marquee victory over Pereira a few months back or maybe almost two years back now, I think. He was just overwhelmed in the grappling exchanges by Sabatini, who took a dominant lopsided decision win. Quite a unique finish in a middleweight bout between Carl Robertson and Brendan Allen. 
with five seconds left of the first round, Brendan Allen is able to submit to Carl Robertson. It was actually Robertson who attacked the leg at the first point and tried to go for the heel hook, but his leg was obviously in the possession of Allen, who was able to secure that heel hook. And in the final few seconds, as Robertson is trying to pull away and get some leverage on his own submission, he actually gets tapped out himself. It was an amazing finish from Brendan Allen. Perhaps one of the more contentious decisions on the card was Dwight Grant getting the nod over Stefan Sakulic. Grant was lucky to not have been finished in the final round when he was hurt and almost submitted. But other than that, it's another split decision win for Dwight Grant, the Dana White Contender Series alumni. And finally, in the last fight before the main card, it was Randy Brown who got a rear naked choke with one arm. That's right, just one arm on Alex Oliveira of all people. It was clear those two didn't really get along, looking from the ceremonial weigh-ins where Oliveira kind of just dismissed him and walked off before the face-off was even finished. Oliveira did try and piece him up with a few kicks, but Randy Brown just detonated a great straight right to drop Oliveira. And from there on in, he took the back. He got one hand behind him. And as Oliveira went down, you could see the grimace on his face and he would tap with just one hand in the choke. An unbelievable performance and must be some great vindication there for Randy Brown after obviously the disrespect shown to him by Oliveira. He did also promote his Twitch channel. So head on to there if you do want to see or learn about why him and Oliveira actually don't get on. Uh, some good promo there on such a high-profile card. Anyway, on to the main card. So the internal struggles suffered by Anthony Smith have been well documented for quite some time now after his loss to John Jones. Last year, he fought off a home intruder, an armed robbery that broke into his family home. He'd gone to take two quite big defeats to Glover Teixeira and Alexander Rakic. But since then, he had submitted Devin Clark. And on his walkout here, he looked rejuvenated. I think the crowd were really getting him ready for this, getting him turned up for the fight. And he was smiling. He was uh, shaking hands with some members of the crowd. It was really just a feel-good entrance. And he looked fantastic as he opened up the fight. He was, of course, sharing the octagon with Jimmy Crute, a young Australian, the 25-year-old, who was clearly trying to make a name out of the formal title challenger. That would not be the case. Crute did attempt to make Anthony Smith uncomfortable from the start. He put the pressure on. He had Smith backing up. And he worked the body and the leg quite well early on. The leg could have been a problem for Anthony Smith had the events not unfolded as they did. Anyway, Smith got going with the jab. The jab was superb. It was a piston. And then he would land his first leg kick of the fight where Crute ate it clean, took a step, a very awkward step, and his knee was clearly badly hurt from that point. I think it could have been some serious nerve damage. Anyway, he was able to get a takedown. He was able to control and do a bit of damage to Smith towards the end of the round. But as soon as that bell went Crute stumbled back to his corner. The doctor was taking a look at him. The corner did put some ice on him just to hope that they could revive that leg, but they would have needed a miracle at that point. The doctor takes a look. Crute tries to amp himself up through the pain and walk it off. He looks all right, a bit shaky when he's walking forward. The doctor asks him to walk backwards, and that's where his knee just is all over the place. And that is all she wrote. The doctor stops it for the benefit of probably Crute because some long-term damage could have been done, not only to his leg, but he could have suffered a big knockout. Smith would just really be smelling blood at that point but Anthony Smith gets a big win he's had some difficult times in these last few years but he's clearly still one of the division's best the division has changed significantly since he lost to John Jones in that five round decision and he now maybe has a chance to go back in there and really try and just shake things up they obviously wanted Crute to make a name of Smith he was the Australian the youngster but that would not be the case Smith did look really good he looked on point he looks switched on from the start and that is the thing with Anthony Smith when he's switched on he is a problem so I'm very excited to see what we've got from him coming up in the this year 
And then finally, Chris Weidman and Uriah Hall, almost a decade from when they met in the New York regional MMA scene, they met, run it back this time, and it would have a devastating ending. 17 seconds in, after Chris Weidman threw a leg kick, it was checked by Uriah Hall, landing around the knee point, one of the hardest parts of the leg, and the leg instantly snapped. Uh, Weidman attempted to take a step on it, and it just crumbled inwards. Weidman goes down in the heap, and that is all she wrote a devastating injury for the former middleweight champion. And if you remember, December 2013, UFC 168, his highly anticipated rematch with Anderson Silva after he knocked him out the first time. Anderson Silva throws a leg kick in the second round, an inside leg kick that Weidman lifts the knee up. He's able to check it and Anderson Silva's leg just crumbles like a piece of plastic. It just absolutely snaps. It's gruesome to think about. And here it happens to Chris Weidman. It's only the third leg injury of this type and Chris Weidman has been involved in two of them one on the receiving end and now he is the one whose leg has actually broke you wonder you don't really want to speculate on his career when he's things are probably more important than that at this point whether he can get that strength back in his leg and walk as normal but it's a brutal brutal loss for Uriah Hall you never want to win like this you'd rather lose I'm pretty sure than take a loss like this this guy has now technically strung together his longest win streak in the UFC and I wonder now if this could affect him mentally going forward because it is a traumatic thing for both fighters involved for someone's leg to break like that, for you to realise that this is a serious sport. Not only could you get knocked out, you could also suffer a brutal graphic injury that would not look out of place from like a CGI programme or some sort of science fiction kind of thing or horror film, better yet. But Uriah Horn has strung together his fourth straight win. He did promise Weidman that he would give it a rematch if Weidman can return. But I think it's beyond that now. It's about Weidman maybe getting back to his family and trying to just fully recover. He's done a lot. He's achieved a lot. Maybe this is his body's way of saying, you know, I've had enough now. It's time to pack things up and move on to the next stage of my career. As for Uriah Hall, he'll undoubtedly go up the rankings now and have another crack at some of their middleweights, higher parts of the pecking order. But you do wonder what sort of mental knock this will take to him as well for someone who has been vulnerable to that at points before he never really had that same after knocking out Adam Seller on tough that viral spinning back kick but we'll see what goes on from here but prayers up for Chris Weidman hopefully he can make a recovery a healthy recovery and gets that leg fully repaired and back to full strength and now for the title fights Valentina Shevchenko Jessica Andrade perhaps Shevchenko's toughest test from a woman not named Amanda Nunez but it did not look like that one bit. Shevchenko had a bit of time on the feet. She was um, just stepping out of the way as Andrade tried to explode in a few good counters. But then she decides just to switch on the wrestling button. And from there on in, it's one-way traffic. She's dominating Andrade in the clinch. Trips her, out, trips her several times. Breaks the record for most takedowns in a flyweight bout. And in the second round, she's able to get into side control, secure the arms trap Andrade in a crucifix position using the physical advantage and Shevchenko just looked massive on the night compared to Andrade who is of course a former bantamweight and from there on she was stuck in a crucifix stretched out Shevchenko began to work and then she landed some vicious short elbows that bloodied up Andrade and the referee stopped it Andrade could not get out and that was all she wrote that was as dominant as they come from Valentina Shevchenko and the scariest thing is it was not even the strongest part of her game she is known for her striking of years and years of Muay Thai experience. She's been in the game for very long, but this time she decides not to even risk taking Andrade's power. Andrade was probably the hardest hitter, other than Amanda Nunes, that she's faced. 
But Shevchenko just completely negated that and took her down and had her will, had her own way. Before the fight, I did even go on record saying that I thought Andrade would have the wrestling advantage and maybe she'd need to mix in some power shots with a few double legs and just try and control Shevchenko because, of course, Shevchenko was controlled for a brief part of that title fight with Jennifer Meyer last year and that could have been, you know, some sort of blueprint. But no, I think Shevchenko just saw that as a... She probably just took it personally, like Michael Jordan in the last dance, and she worked on that part of her game and showed everyone that, look, there are no weaknesses. I'm not just a striker where you can take me down and hold me down. I'm going to actually do that to you if you even dare think about it. So we have a problem here at 125 pounds. The flyweight division was already looking a bit thin. That's why they had to draft in Andrade to fight Chikagin on Fight Island. And because she got that win, they were like, great, we've got another challenger. Shevchenko just made such quick work of that. You've only got to think about one thing now. There is really only one option left. And that is the Amanda Nunes trilogy fight. No one in Amanda Nunes' era of holding the belts and dominating in the way she, she has dominated has been able to control or push Nunes the way Shevchenko was in that second fight. Personally, I think it w- could have been a draw. Um, and I see the case for Shevchenko winning that fight, as many people thought she did. But in terms of the legacy, in terms of Amanda Nunez also struggling to find contenders. Yes, she's booked to fight Juliana Pena later this year. But after that, it's really more of a case of, you know, you're going to be fighting fighters on maybe coming off one win or at best like a two or three fight win streak. That is obviously not enough to really test and challenge these champions. Who knows? They surely can't go invincible for their whole career unless they retire tomorrow because we've learned by so many times in MMA, someone could just come along and shake up the world. But the women's MMA game, with all due respect, is a lot less developed in the men's game in the fact that they're still struggling to find contenders and systems to really bring these contenders and and prime them before they get onto the big stage so it really is just Shevchenko, Nunez and the rest in terms of flyweight and onwards so I think we've got to see that fight maybe towards the end of this year Shevchenko and Nunez part three a legacy fight for both Shevchenko already one of the best Nunez the goat and what will change in that discussion when they meet again for five rounds. I'm sure both will do a lot of things differently. And both have, that was 2017, we're almost four years on now, and both have just got even better and better. So, yeah, that is the fight I want to see. I'm signing up for it now. Cancel the Pena fight. Heck, put Pena as a warm-up for Nunez. Give Shevchenko a a warm-up fight, and then let him fight on the same night, because they're just head and shoulders above the rest. What a performance from Bullet, Valentina Shevchenko. We have a new strawweight champion in the co-main event. Rose Namajunas becomes the first ever woman to recapture a UFC title after losing it. And what a way to do it. One minute and 18 seconds into the fight with Zhang Weilai, she detonates a left high kick out of nowhere, lands flush on the head of the Chinese champion, drops her a couple of ground and pound shots, and that is all she wrote. Namajunas back on top of the pile at 115 pounds an unbelievable performance a scintillating display of her striking so it was Zhang who opened up with the inside leg kicks trying to just get a gauge on the movement trying to prevent Namajunas from you know using all her footwork and working around her and she did well a couple of good inside leg kicks trying to explode forwards but Namajunas was light on her feet bouncing very well and then ultimately it was a inside leg kick that Zhang was expecting from the lead leg of Namajunas it looked like that with the way her hips moved, Zheng was trying to just step out of the leg kick, but instead the leg kick just went straight up. It was an unbelievable motion and the speed of it was ridiculous. And actually it came through the guard. So you had Zhang's right hand on the outside, ready to guard from the hooks or whatever came from that side. But it actually went above that and landed clean on the head. 
Zhang drops straight away. There's some ground up hard, and that's it. Of course, Zhang was protesting the fight. I think she was obviously a bit discombobulated after getting knocked out like that. She ultimately did come to her senses towards the end of the fight or the end of the referee's decision. And that is it. Nama Yunus, unbelievable. She is just so skilled. I think both these fighters are very skilled. I think it could have gone many different ways, but the way Nama Yunus was able just to detonate that high kick out of nowhere, there was no follow-up, no, no telegraphing, none of that. Just swift flush almost like a video game, she pressed the button, the command came immediately when she pressed it. No latency, no lagging time, nothing. And here we have a new strawweight queen, Nama Yunus, had a whirlwind of a journey to get back to this point. She secured the UFC title in a similarly stunning victory over Joanna Jacek in New York, also one of the best cards ever. We've got a bit of a theme here, UFC 217, UFC 261. The two nights where Nama Yunus captured the strawweight title are two of the best UFC cards of all time. Anyway, I digress. Nama Yunus beat Joanna again, and then she was doing very well against Andrade in Brazil. All of a sudden, was dumped on her head, and that was it. Her life kind of came back to some normality in a sense. She talked about how she wasn't ready for being a champion at that point. She was even a lot younger back then in 2017 when she won the belt. And the burden of being a champion can be overwhelming at times. And it still could be again when she does come into the f a future fight with the gold and black stripes on her kit, with the UFC belt around her waist. But that is all something which time will tell. Then she gets back. She fights Andrade again on Fight Island. A superb performance turned out to win that fight on a decision. And then she steps in with Zhang Lai, who was the favourite going into this fight. And for good reason, with the tear she was on, unbeaten since losing her first professional fight, beating Joanna in that war. And Nama Yunus just makes a spectacular finish out of her. Unbelievable. Honestly, what a moment. I think that that might be knockout of the year going forward in terms of just how big it was, the story behind it, and just how good it was on a technical level. I don't think there's much need to get them both back in there quickly and do the rematch. The strawweight division has got its fair share of contenders. You've got Yan Xiaonan, you've got Mackenzie Dern, Carla Esparza trying to make another one at the title. So I think there are some ways just to give Nami Yunus a defence of her belt whilst Zhang can go back to the drawing board and try and pick up from where she left off and try and reclaim that belt at a later point. I think both should get through the next challenges. You know, you can't say who, but I think there are some winnable fights for both Nami Yunus and Yang. And then I think we'll we'll see them back in there again maybe next year. But wow. You've got a feel for Zhang Wilai. She didn't have the best account of herself after when she was protesting the fight. But you're not really in the best frame of mind when you are concussed, are you? Anyway, congratulations to Thug Rose. To quote DC, Thug Rose, Thug Rose, Thug Rose. She's done it again. And it was even more spectacular than the first time she won the strawweight belt. So we have a new queen at 115 pounds. And her name is Rose Namayunas. And then finally, it came on to the main event. If you weren't hyperventilating throughout virtually the entire card, you definitely would have been doing so when it came to this. Jorge Masvidal and Kamal Usman in a rematch from their Fight Island showdown in front of 15,000 fans in Jacksonville, Florida. So one thing's for sure, the first round was definitely a lot different to the first time they met. Yes, Kamal Usman had a takedown, but there was a lot going on before and after that moment. Gamebred was trying to soften up that lead leg, working away at some leg kicks, but he was stunned at one point by a big right hand. Usman's jab, which is just going from strength to strength it seems, did snap the head back of Masvidal on several occasions in that first round. Masvidal did get a bit overzealous at one point in the round. He went for a flying knee and it was very telegraphed. Usman was able to get under the hips and get a takedown, controlled him on the ground for a bit of time. But to his credit, Masvidal was still giving him a lot of verbal and physical from the bottom. 
uh, landing some good short elbows as Usman was working his way around the guard and it, they went towards the fence where Masvidal was eventually able to get himself up. So that was a big victory for Masvidal in terms of that. The striking that followed again, Masvidal was looking sharp. Usman, there was a bit of nervy moments as he did come into the combinations. He was telegraphing some of the big power shots. He was looking for that big overhand right throughout the whole night and his head just seemed to hang in there a bit too long for a seasoned striker like Masvidal just to have that at his disposal. But it didn't really matter. In the second round, whatever Trevor Whitman said to Usman, it worked because Usman came out to strike again with Masvidal. Fascinating when you considered that Usman could have easily won this fight by laying and praying on him for five rounds. But the mindset and the levels that Usman is going after now, he was not settling for that. He landed some more shots on Masvidal. Masvidal was smiling them off. But then a couple of seconds after that moment, he baited him with a left hook around the guard. And all of a sudden, a massive right hand just folds Masvidal out of nowhere. He falls like a ton of bricks and then the referee saves him as he just lands some brutal ground and pound. Some of the hardest ground and pound and hammer fists I've ever seen inside the octagon. The way Usman was able to land him so quickly and just that properly knocked out Gamebird. Gamebird was stunned, wobbled. He was already finished from the right hand but the follow-up shots just left him unconscious on the floor and what a sight that was. Masvidal, lifeless, limp. Usman amped up on the cage, on the fence, roaring to a crowd of 15,000 fans. And that goes to show that we are back. Fans are back. The UFC is back. Better than ever, possibly. After one of the greatest cards ever. What a way to end it. Kamar Usman just evolving constantly. We saw the evolutions against Gilbert Burns. The first Madrigal fight. A bit of a tarnish on his career. While he dominated it, he didn't get that seal of approval. That that champion seal of, seal of approval that he so badly wanted. He got it today. The fans were cheering him at the end. And what a way to put that rivalry to bed and to also right the wrongs of Fight Island. That was a big fight back in July and Usman, I'd say he lost a few fans on that night and although it's not entirely fair to turn on someone just for one performance, people wanted to see him finish him and wanted to see him put a beating on Masvidal and he did that and then some in this fight. Who would have thought a right hand like that uh, if there was a TKO to come for Usman, I maybe would have thought it would have been some ground and pound, some overwhelming shots. But for him to knock him out clean with a massive right hand, that's one of the best shots in some time I've, ever, I've seen. Wow, Kamar Usman striking to a next level. Trevor Whitman is just helping him evolve more. What a night for Trevor Whitman, the coach. He also coached Riles Nama Yunus to that stunning win over Zhang Lai, And now here he is, Kamar Usman back on top. A good moment as well. I think this was the first time Usman's father was in attendance for his fight and he got to hold the belt at the end. If you watch that Fight Pass documentary on when his father was imprisoned for um, healthcare fraud, take a look. It's a very interesting watch and it just goes behind the, the mindset of the Nigerian nightmare, which is he wants to come and take everything and he is doing so at that point. Next for him now, it's got to be Colby Covington, surely. Leon Edwards versus Nate Diaz will, will take place in May. I think that will give the next opponent after that some time. But it's got to be the Colby rematch. Colby was waiting in the wings. He was verbal towards the end. He didn't get a lot of the shine in this card. Usman kind of dismissed him. But yeah, that is a fight I would like to see next because that was Usman's toughest challenge. And to see him at this point now, I'm just very intrigued to see how Usman will approach that. And if he can stop Covington again, and if he can do it in even better fashion. Or if Colby does have the, the answers to Usman because right now he's a pound for pound number one. John Jones has not fought in the pandemic. Khabib is retired. This is the number one right now in the world. And he's doing it in some fashion. He's finishing people now, like, on the feet. Yeah, it's just crazy. Absolutely crazy. For Gamebred, there is a certain Nick Diaz who was around 
Jacksonville this weekend. And Dana White said after the fight that he wants a fight. Let's make that a fight. The way Nate Diaz was defeated by Jorge Masvidal, you'd think the older brother would want to get some revenge. And it's a great big money fight for both. They could even put the BMF belt back on the line if that will still exist. But to Masvidal, he was humble. He was respectful after the fight, as you would expect from him. He is a consummate professional. He's always going to be. And he fell short today, but he was beaten by the number one pound for pound fight on the planet. So there you have it. Honestly, I think I could have spoke for over an hour about this card, but I'll wrap it up here around the 25 minute mark. Three 25 minute title fights. None of them even got past the 10 minute mark. What a crazy night it was. Firstly, I want to say prayers up to Chris Weidman and Jimmy Croup. Shout out to the flyweight queen, Valentina Shevchenko. Shout out to the new strawweight champion, Rose Namajunas. And finally, the pound for pound number one, maybe top 10 all time in the UFC now. He's proving it. Kamaru Usman, the Nigerian nightmare, still the welterweight champion of the world. Thank you for joining us for Catchweight. This is why we do it. Nights like this, it makes it all worth it. Thank you.